Well, hello everyone, it's Jason here. I'm one of the pastors at The Way Church, and I wanna welcome you to today's sermon. I don't know where you find yourself, but it's a delight for our team whenever we hear stories of people being strengthened in their walk with God, discovering more about Jesus and his word through these messages. So just wanted to say hello before we jump in and hope that you enjoy. Acts 21 to 17. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Let's pray together. Living God, we come before you right now in humility and gratefulness. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to be our teacher. Would you give us ears to hear this morning? And I pray that we would not just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. And so now, Lord, I just pray that the words out of this mouth this morning and the meditation of all of our hearts, both here and online, would be pleasing to you, that we together would make so very much of you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Well, as Chris said, we are continuing in our series through the Ten Commandments, and today we're looking at commandment number five. But before we get there, I'd actually just love to do a quick recap of the first four, um, just as a refresher, but also maybe you're joining us for the first time. So uh, we're going to have them up on the screen for you, but here are the commands we've looked at so far. First, no other gods before me. Then the next one, no graven images. The third one, do not take the Lord's name in vain. And then last week, we uh, were taught on remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy. So if you weren't here for any of those, I really uh, suggest that you uh, go back and listen to those on the podcast or watch them just to help flesh these out. They were good teachings, and they'll give you a, um, a holistic understanding of them. And now, I want to point out something to you that these first four commands, the ones that we've just read, the the ones we've studied over the last several weeks together, these first four commands are what we're calling vertical, in that they deal with our relationship with God. 
And now today we're going to transition into the next six commands, and these are what we're calling horizontal commands, because these commands now begin to deal with our relationship with one another. So the first four dealt with our relationship with God, and now the next six are going to deal with our relationships with one another. And today we're going to look at the first of these horizontal commandments, the fifth command. And in this very first horizontal command, as God begins to deal with our relationships with one another, I think it is so interesting, so wild, where he chooses to start. Because God begins by addressing our very first relationship, our relationship with our parents. So let's look at the text again. And this is what the fifth commandment says. It says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. I, um, I asked the children's pastors at our different sites uh, a couple of weeks ago, I said, could you ask some of the kids down in our kids' ministry what they think this command means? And so this is what they asked. They asked these kids, what do you think it means to honor your mother and father? So I'm just going to read the responses to you, okay? These are anonymous. I don't know whose children these are. <clears throat> First one. This child says, it means I'm supposed to be polite, kind, and do what my parents tell me. Aww. <laughs> Someone of you is like, that's probably my kid. Well. <laughs> the next child said, it means I'm supposed to worship them. Okay. <laughs> next child said, it means be kind to them, because without them, you're a goner. So, last one. Maybe my favorite. This child said, I don't honor them, they honor me. <laughs> but that one I know for sure. That was a North Van kid. So, you know, that. <laughs> All I'm, I'm also just saying, some of us might want to have a clarifying talk with our kids this afternoon on what honoring your parents means. Um, so, on a more serious note, though, I do want to acknowledge just right, right as we begin together today that in a room like this, I know that we represent a lot of different backgrounds that we represent a lot of different family dynamics and relationships. Some of us have had really great parents, great family. I mean, obviously no family is perfect. I think that every family is at least a little bit dysfunctional in some way. But even so, many of us sitting here together today could say, you know, even with all the stuff and all the imperfections, it was pretty okay. Like, I had pretty good parents. And so hearing this command to honor your father and your mother, it doesn't rub us the wrong way. It isn't all that hard to wrap our minds around. But others of us sitting here have very, very different stories. Stories of brokenness and abuse, perhaps. Abandonment, rejection. And rather than experiencing family as an incredibly safe place, perhaps it was experienced as a very unsafe place. And so for those of us coming from these types of situations, hearing this command to honor your father and your mother, thinking about honor could feel hard at best and impossible at worst. And so just right at the start, I want to acknowledge the tension that this command might carry for many of us. The questions and perhaps stirred up emotions, questions like, well, what if my parents aren't worthy of honor? And we are going to address some of these tensions in our time together today, but right as we get going, there's something important that all of us need to know, and it's this, that this command that was given not only carries a responsibility for children, 
it also speaks to the responsibility of the parents. To say it another way, this command for children to honor their parents assumes that the parents are operating in the fear and wisdom of the Lord to the best of their ability. It's, it's not assuming that kids will have perfect parents, but it is assuming that the parents themselves are, are attempting in their best, perhaps broken way, but in their best way to follow the living God and trying to then raise their children as well of both, of both generations, generations, the children, the children and children and the parents, the parents, the parents. So here's our road. So here's our roadmap for the day. Our roadmap for the day. For the day, we're going to ask two questions of this fifth commandment. The first question we're going to ask is, "What does this command say to children?" And the second question we're going to ask is, "What does this command say to parents?" So first, what does this command say to children? Well, I think that there are a number of things that this fifth commandment implies, but I want to suggest to us today that the primary thing that this command tells us is that we honor our parents by respecting them. We honor our parents by respecting them. And the idea of respect is actually found in the word for honor here in Exodus chapter 20. Um, the, the word and so you might and so you might and so you might want and so you might wonder and so you might wonder and so you might wonder as I did like, how does this uh, translate with our parents it's like being have honor being heavy or weighing heavy or weighty and Daryl helped me to understand this and this is how he explains it he explains it this way to honor our parents means that we are to feel the weightiness of their position in other words, it means that we're to acknowledge the weightiness or the seriousness of what it means for our parents to parent. It means we acknowledge the role that they play and the authority that they carry. Now, obviously, that's a thing that's going to develop as we mature, as we get older even. If I, my eight-year-old daughter were sitting here in the room and I said to her, you know, I just really hope that you feel the weightiness of my position as your mother. She'd be like, what? I don't, I don't understand what it is that you're trying to say to me. I just want tacos for lunch. But most of us, most of us in the room are just, we're at an age and a stage of life where we can wrap our minds around the fact that parenting is no small thing, that it carries a weightiness with it. And maybe especially for those of us who have experienced the consequences of poor parenting, we know and understand very well the weight that parenting does indeed carry. And so practically speaking, this command tells us that when we are young, like when we're dependents, we honor our parents by respecting them as being an authority over us. We, we honor them as being our providers and our caretakers, as being the ones who put food on the table and, and pay the bills and drive us to every single sporting event we will ever sign up for ever and drive us to all the birthday parties, even the ones that are in Maple Ridge an hour away. <clears throat> My kids aren't even here. That was definitely for them. Um, but then, so that's when we're young. But then what about when we're older? Well, this command implies that we are to keep on respecting our parents, even when they are no longer in authority over us. So when God gave this command to the people of Israel, they were living in multi-generational households where they were all very much independent on one another. And we need to understand this because we cannot sit here today and impose our Western 21st century idea of family on this command. 
because the Israelites did not function at all the way most of us in North America do, where we have the idea of the nuclear family as our ideal. Uh, the, the nuclear family, if you're not familiar with that concept, it's, it's based on kind of like the 1950s Leave it to Beaver type of family, a mom, a dad, two kids, a dog maybe, a dog, never a cat. Um, <laughs> but the nuclear family was, was generally centered on, on consumption and on individual happiness. It very much emphasizes individualism, and it's threatened by anything that would impose limits on our individualism. And so the nuclear family would have been a very foreign concept to the people of Israel, to ancient Israel. Uh, Jefferson Betke, he, he writes this in a book called Take Back Your Family. He says, the ancient family, he's talking about the Israelites, the ancient family was a robust, intergenerational, complex, an enormously helpful web of relationships where the most vulnerable and downtrodden were welcomed, protected, and given a safety net. And so for the Israelites hearing this command that day to honor their parents, they would have rightly understood that this was not just talking about little children. This extended to adult children as well. It was a, multi, it was a multi-generational command. And this idea of adult children, this is probably the category, again, that most of us in this room find ourselves in today. Most of us sitting here are no longer dependents on our parent. And so this command told both the people of Israel, and I believe it's telling us today, that we keep on respecting our parents, both as we age and as they age. And we actually see this when we look at the whole command. Let's look at it again in verse uh, 12. It says, honor your father and mother so that, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, what's interesting is that this is the only one of all of the Ten Commands that comes to the promise attached right to it. Uh, it says, honor your parents and, and you'll live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, it's not meant to be taken literal, um, literally. It's, it's meant to function more like a, a promise than a prophecy. If you read the book of Proverbs, it's kind of the same idea. It's, this is meant to be just wisdom for life, like just even good sense. Pope John Paul II said uh, that the future of humanity passes by way of the family. It's just good sense. It just makes a ton of sense. Even Jesus himself said in the Gospels that a house divided against itself cannot stand. A lot of people think that that was Abraham Lincoln. Well, he got that from Jesus. So um, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And if we just think about this, this practically even, for societies to function in a healthy manner, generations have to work together. Even for a home to function in a healthy manner, generations have to work together. And so here, as the living God begins to address these horizontal relationships that we have in our lives, and we have so many of them, he starts by addressing our family, our parents. And he promises here that honor ultimately leads to blessing. It leads to blessing. And so then honoring our parents is done over a lifetime not just in childhood when we live in their homes and eat at their tables. This command is in place for the entire length of our relationship with them. Now, naturally, as we get older, we get to do things like we get to weigh their input in our lives. We can invite their advice without the obligation to take it as authoritative. 
But even then, even in those situations, what I want to humbly suggest to us, my fellow adult children, is that the biblical mandate here is that there is still a way for us to do this respectfully. Now, there are obviously some things, hopefully obvious, hopefully obviously, some things that this command does not mean. Honoring our parents does not mean staying in harm's way. The Bible does not condone abuse, nor do we as a church. This command also does not mean that we would respect our parents to the point that we would honor them more than we would honor God. And as followers of Jesus, our very first priority is to obey Jesus, to listen to his voice above all other voices, including our parents to go where he would call us to obey the very first command, which is no other gods before me. Children of all ages, we honor our parents by respecting them, both when we're young and old and when they are young and when they get older. Uh, My grandfather lived to be 93 years old, and I had the privilege of watching my mom and her siblings honor their dad until he passed away a few years ago. And they honored him in in the big ways that you're probably thinking of, you know, I love you, dad, and calling him and all those things. But it was in the small ways for me that have really been seared into my my memory. Uh, They would do things like they would call him when they were purchasing vehicles because they just knew he'd get a kick out of it because he just had a thing for cars. He just loved it. Didn't matter what kind of car it was, he just loved it. So he always got a kick out of it when they'd call him. Uh, He was also a World War II vet, and he uh, contracted polio during the war. And when the movie Saving Private Ryan came out, my mom and her siblings found a wheelchair-accessible movie theater, and they went out where he lived in the country and drove him into the city and wheeled him in and watched the movie with him, and he just cried and cried and cried and just loved they would do that for him. And then after he was retired and he was homebound, they would call him. They would buy the same crossword puzzles and send it to him, and he would have the same book, and they would open them up in the mornings and do them together. I have a lot of memories of my mom doing that with him over the phone. Just little ways that they kept on finding, just ways to honor him as their father as he got older. And in all of these ways, it was ultimately their love for him that fueled their honor of him, even as he got older. I also had the privilege of watching my dad honor his dad, but under very different circumstances. My dad grew up in less than ideal circumstances. My dad grew up in poverty with an abusive father, sorry, with an alcoholic father, abusive to his wife, and an unstable home life. And I watched my dad honor his father in small ways and in big ways. I remember We would go and we would pick up my grandpa and we would take him out for meals that he otherwise couldn't have afforded. I remember one time my dad, uh, we all went together as a family and bought grandpa shoes and grandpa just told everybody, my son bought me shoes. It was just such a big deal and he was getting teary over it and I just couldn't, I didn't grasp why this was such a big deal for him. And I think it's because my grandfather probably never knew that one of the ways my dad honored him was by always speaking well of him. He never told us growing up, it wasn't until I was much older that I learned about my grandfather. My dad really protected my grandfather's reputation in front of us, and he only ever shared the best stories of grandpa, the funny ones, the ones that made grandpa sound amazing. 
And eventually my grandfather gave his life to the Lord in his later years. But my dad honoring him came before any of that. And I called my dad this week and I was like, dad, you know, can I share this story? I don't want to, you know, throw you or grandpa under the bus. I want to honor both of you. And he gave me permission to share it. And he said, but there's a part of the story that you actually don't know. And so he shared it with me and I'm just going to read his words to you now. These are my dad's words. He said, the catalyst for choosing to honor my dad resided in a question that I felt the Lord asked me when I wanted to blame my dad for the breakup of our family. I felt the Lord ask me if I believed that my dad was a bad father for the breakup of the family. I answered yes. Then I felt the Lord ask me, does your father, being a bad father, give you the right to be a bad son? Stunned by the question, and now aware of my true attitude towards my dad, I wept and wept, and I answered, no, it doesn't. And that's when everything changed. And for my dad, that's whenever he decided that he would honor his father in front of his own children. Children in the room, we don't get to choose our parents, but we do get to choose what honoring them looks like. Maybe honor for some of us looks like calling our parents. Maybe honor for some of us, if we're still at home, it looks like just cleaning up our room because we know that that will bless our parents. Maybe honor looks like talking respectfully about your own parents in front of your children and being mindful of the way that you speak of them. Or maybe honor today looks like forgiveness. Second thing that we're going to ask this command, what does this command say to the parents now? We said at the beginning of our time together today that there's a responsibility here, and it's not only for the children. There's also a responsibility that's assumed for the parents. And the thing is, is that unless parents understand this responsibility, this fifth command actually becomes oppressive to children. So it's important that parents, we understand it. And I just have to say here, I am a parent. I have four kids. Many of you know this, but I am no expert at all. In fact, it has been honest, a tough parenting week in our home, and I can't tell you how many times I laugh, cried a little, (laughs) at the irony to be teaching on this this week. I thought, oh man, this is crazy. So I'm letting you know, (laughs) I approach this subject with very deep humility, not as somebody who has even remotely figured it out, but somebody like many of you who's just kind of along the way on the journey of parenting, bringing my broken best self before the Lord and trying to follow Jesus and raise my kids as I do it and raise them to follow Jesus. So not an expert, just on the journey along with you. So I want to suggest to us that this command parents tells us two things. First, I think it tells us that we honor our children by respecting them. We said the same thing about kids a moment ago. Children honor their parents by respecting them, by respecting the weightiness of their role as as parents. Parents, we too honor our children by respecting their weightiness, by respecting their weightiness as fellow human beings. Respect is a two-way street. If you're in any kind of relationship, you know this. You know that mutual respect is very vital, whether it's dating or or married or roommates or just being in a co-worker relationship. If constant disrespect is present, that relationship will, will eventually deteriorate. So then, just as children need to respect parents, 
Parents, we too need to respect our children. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is teaching on family, and he references the fifth commandment here in Exodus. And this is what he says. This is in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now he's going to quote Exodus. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. But Paul doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I like how Eugene Peterson translates it in the message. He says it this way. Fathers, don't frustrate your children with no-win scenarios. That is a word for some of us today. Do not frustrate your children with no-win scenarios. In a different letter to a different church, Paul again writes something similar in in Colossians chapter 3. He says, parents, again, this is the message. He says, parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you will crush their spirits. Parents of younger kids, we can show respect for our children by not making mountains out of molehills, even though we really want to, (laughs) and choosing to let some things go. We can show respect for our kids by not being quick to anger. We can show respect to our kids by not kicking them when they are down, but actually choosing to see them as God sees them and speaking life and hope and destiny over them. Even when we don't feel it, we speak truth over them. By being, we can respect them by being a safe place for them and being respectful towards them even when they choose disrespect towards us. We can show respect for our kids by by being careful to distinguish between what is a sin and what's a mistake. Spilling a glass of milk is a mistake. It's a different thing to choose to hit your sister. If we constantly discipline for mistakes, this is what crushes our kids. We can show respect for our kids by admitting when we're wrong. I think it is one of the best things for kids to hear. Parents say often, I'm sorry. We admit when we're wrong and we repent to our children and we apologize because we do get it wrong and we should apologize often. If you're here and you're a parent of older adult children, we can respect our children. So my, my oldest is 18. It's crazy. He's 18. So I'm just venturing into this, like, he's not, like, I'm not calling him an adult yet. I'm, he still lives at home. So, <laughs> but mainly, he's still in high school. So that really feels like, anyways. So I'm coming to this a little trepidatiously, but I'm, I, I'm also an adult child myself. Parents of older adult children, we can respect our children by acknowledging their adulthood and no longer trying to enforce our expectations on them and just recognizing that they are just different than we are. And that's okay. It's actually beautiful. We can respect our children by letting them become our peers. We can respect our children by being a means of grace and not judgment in their lives, even when they make mistakes. We can respect our children by being quick to listen and slow, so slow to speak sometimes. We can respect our kids by continuing to apologize and continuing to repent before them when we get it wrong. 
Just as kids are meant to respect their parents, so parents, we are meant to respect our kids, both when they're young and when they get older. And the second thing I want to suggest that this command tells us as parents is this, that we honor our kids not only by respecting them, but we honor our kids by honoring God. We said this at the beginning of our time today, that this fifth command is the first of the horizontal commands. But the reality is that we cannot live out the horizontal commands well without first living out and living into the vertical commands. What that means is that what makes our relationship with others work, including our relationship with our children, is first nurturing our relationship with the living God. That's the thing that has to come first, is nurturing our relationship with him. Very simply, parents, if there is ever a parenting hack I could ever offer anybody, it's this. Follow Jesus. Follow him. None of our kids are going to have perfect parents. None of them are going to get out of childhood or young adulthood or maybe even adulthood without a few stories or a few memories we wish we could just erase from their minds forever. I mean, gosh, parenting is so much harder than I ever thought it would be. It is so much harder. But here's where our hope lies. Here's where my hope continually lies. That the best thing, the best thing we can possibly give our kids is us pursuing Jesus. That's the best thing we can give them. And that kind of thing doesn't happen by accident. None of us are just going to like stumble our way into a fruitful, uh, meaningful relationship with Jesus and then just kind of accidentally pass it on to the generations. It takes time and intention and discipline and real decisions to live this kind of life. Ruth Haley Barton uh, I think it's maybe a famous quote now, but she says this to leaders. She says, the best thing any of us have to bring to leadership is our transforming self. And you know, I think it's the same thing for parents. The best thing any of us have to bring to parenting is our transforming self. And as we are following Jesus, and as we are becoming more like him, transforming to become more like him, we bring our kids along for the journey. Parents, give your kids Jesus and let them see you pursuing him. Give them that gift. It is the best thing that we can do with these kids that we have been entrusted with. And not just when they're young, when they're older. Let your kids see you pursuing Jesus. I'm going to invite Jared up. Uh, I moved to BC 11 years ago now. And my parents are still, they're in Colorado right now, but my entire extended family on both sides is still in Texas, which means that none of my biological family is here. None of them, except for my children. <laughs> Sorry, kids, y'all are here. Uh, one of the biggest gifts, though, that the church, capital C Church, has been for me, both here at The Way and at, and at other churches, has been being a part of a spiritual family because the church is the family of God. Which means that when you decide to follow Jesus, you have been grafted into this big, beautiful, broken, spiritual family. Regardless of your family of origin, regardless of your biology, 
And the New Testament actually shows us this. It's, the New Testament is full of family type of language. Um, in, the, in the New Testament letters, if you read them over and over again, they address their letters regularly to my brothers and my sisters. In 1 Timothy, Paul actually tells Timothy to relate honorably to spiritual mothers and fathers. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus himself pointed to his disciples and he said, these are my brothers and my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my mother and my brother and my sister. And the New Testament is full of these kinds of references, full of family kind of language. And so my parents may not be here. For me to look to on a regular basis. I can call them, of course, but they may not be here for me to like do the day in, day out stuff of life with. But God has given me people like Daryl and Sharon to go and sit with and learn from and glean from. And other spiritual mothers and fathers who've taken me in, adopted me in, lovingly and willingly, people I can call when I'm hurting or I need prayer or people I can just call and ask to sit with on a Sunday because I just need to be near a mom or a dad. You know, maybe like me, you live far from your parents or maybe your parents have actually passed away or maybe you have an unsafe, broken relationship with your parents. And I want to say to you, just ever so gently. And I do mean just so gently. Because the church is the family of God, there is no need for us to be parentless. We have access to spiritual mothers and fathers, and we can look to them, and we can invite them into our lives, and we can honor them. I have literally had some of you um, women come up to me and say in these words, I just need a mama bear to pray with. And I love that. Like, I, I love that. And that's been such an honor for me. Somebody asked me this week if I was Rachel Seuss's mom. And I was like, I, you know, but I'll take it. I don't care. It's like an honor for me to be like, well, no, I'm not. I would, big sister feels better. But um, the point is, Rachel, I'll be your mom. <laughs> I'll be your spiritual mom. I want to just say to you, seek out people in our church. That's what I have done over the years. Join a small group. That's a great place to start to find brothers and sisters and spiritual mothers and fathers. But be bold and ask. People can't read our minds but there, I'm, I guarantee you, if you're a son or a daughter here and you just, you're not near your parents or that's a weird relationship or whatever the dynamic is, look to people in our church and ask them. And I promise you they will be gracious and loving and take you under their wing. And because the church is the family of God, and again, I say this with such care and tenderness, those of us without children of our own, we too have access to spiritual sons and daughters in the faith. Those we can walk alongside of, take care of, tend to, pray for. 
And I just want you to know, I, I am in no way suggesting that having spiritual parents or, or spiritual children would ever erase the pain of longing for your own parents or for your own children. I just, I think that knowing we have a family of, in, in Christ can at least give us a soft spot to land. God's desire has always been, always been to reconcile people to himself and to reconcile people to one another. And he accomplished that through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And in Jesus, the Father has reconciled us to himself. And through Jesus, we have all been adopted into a family. Well, I want to thank you for listening to today's sermon. I'm Jason. I'm one of the pastors at The Way Church. And if you want to find out more about what's going on in the life of our church or how to get connected more deeply, you can go to thewaychurch.ca. We're so encouraged to hear stories about how these messages have been strengthening people in their walk with God, drawing them deeper in their relationship with Him and in His Word. And so this is love from our team to you. Hope you're doing well today and love to hear from you.